a college degree was in your future. Then life took a different turn. Jump back into school with confidence in a program designed for adults like you. Experience the support of a personal enrollment counselor. They'll walk with you through every step of the enrollment process. Move smoothly from one course to the next with books delivered right to you before each course. Returning to school can be seamless when you have the right support. Thrive without ceasing. Start today at adult.cornerstone.edu. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. Today on the Zabecast, so let me get this straight. LeBron James has to win over Laker fans, not just make the team a finals contender. A curious question from Laker Media Day. Move over Gritty and meet Dandy, who was once the Yankees mascot. And I've got Drew Olson from the Big 920 Milwaukee. We'll talk Packers, roughing the passer, cleaning up your own mess, and a whole lot more. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Wednesday, September 26, 2018. Thank you for the download. Just a quick heads up. Tomorrow, a very special edition of the Zabecast. It is a four-way Ryder Cup preview between me, Ron Thomas, John Ronis, and one account, Rosie, as a fourth guy in. Sort of a the remnants of the Capital Golf Gang uh, from the summer, but talking exclusively Ryder Cup tomorrow. Damn you people, this is golf! So if you hate golf and you hate the Ryder Cup, congratulations, you have been given tomorrow off. You have a day off from me. If you love the Ryder Cup and love golf, well, then I think you're going to like the show. That's tomorrow. Today, though, we got a lot to talk about, including some pretty interesting and some pretty funny sound bites from the NBA's round of media days from the start of the upcoming season, which I'm not going to get too much into the NBA now. Lord knows the NBA season goes on way too long. It is the most predictable league. Uh, The teams that you expect to be good are always good in the end. And the teams, there's very few surprises. Let's just put it that way. And we aren't going to, a lot of casual fans are not going to get really locked in until the playoffs at the earliest. You you might have a spurt there. You know, Christmas Day, you're like, yay, NBA, okay, I'll watch it. And it's something that's on. But I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I got some interesting sound bites. And I'll start with this one. LeBron James, I, I don't... I'm not a huge LeBron James fan, but I respect him. I respect him a lot. Sometimes I do feel a bit sorry for him, and sometimes I do shake my head thinking, what is wrong with people? So here is a question he was hit with at Laker Media Day about the fans in L.A. and whether or not he's got to, quote, earn their trust. LeBron, the L.A. fan base, how do you expect to earn their, their respect and, and earn their loyalty? Who, the fan base, yes. Me? Yes, you. Me? Me? Huh? huh? <laughs> what do you say to the fans that say they want to see you and, and earn their respect? Uh, I'll sign a four-year deal. How much more? I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I 
talked to them outside of here yesterday. Listen, listen, I signed a four-year deal. I'm here, so hit me. I know what I bring to the table on the floor. Now, credit LeBron. He is smiling and relaxed and a bit bemused at this question from this particular reporter. I thought he handled it very well. And yeah, that should be enough. I signed a four-year deal. What? Earn their respect and their trust. What? Who the fuck are you, Laker fans? You're sitting here on a collapsed franchise that has been wandering in the woods for quite a while now, ever since Kobe hung him up, and really even the last couple of years that Kobe was there. Now, I know about the legendary Kobe stands, the absolute hardcore to the end. I'm a, Co- I'm a Kobe fan. I'm a Mamba fan uh, to death. And LeBron, eh, he's okay, but whatever. Only in L.A. and only with Laker fans could you have a fan base actually have the feeling of, well, yeah, let's just see about this. Let's see if he earns our respect. He's LeBron James. That's not enough. He is going to add instant credibility to your team. He is going to make going to Staples Center for Laker games instantly another spectacle once again to enjoy, beloved, and behold. And he did sign a four-year deal. What what are you missing? Any other franchise would be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we got LeBron James. Instead, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do to earn their trust? And I don't blame the reporter for asking this question. I think it is a question that comes from a genuine place. Next time I talk to our friend Travis Rogers out there, I'll ask him about this and say, Sue, with the calls you get on your show out there, how many fans are like, yeah, man, I don't trust this guy just yet? Unbelievable. LeBron, if you're LeBron, this has got to be incredibly disheartening. Incredibly flummoxing to think, really? Really? I came here for this. Maybe I should have stayed in Cleveland. On the L.A. fan base, how do you expect to earn their, their respect and, and earn their loyalty? Ooh, loyalty, not base, trust. Yeah. Respect Me? and loyalty. Huh? Huh? <laughs> what do you say to the fans that say they want to see you and, and earn their respect? Uh, I'll sign a four-year deal. How much more? I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Great point. All right, another bit of audio from the media rounds. This one from Nor Border, Kawhi Leonard, who clearly did not want to go to Toronto but got dealt there anyway, can walk out the door this coming summer as a true free agent, which he will. Put on the Red Raptor jersey, met the media, tried to pretend like he was happy to be there, even though we know he wasn't, and really showed that dynamic side to him that we've all wondered about. Like, what is Kawhi Leonard really all about? Yourself, and what would you like people to know about you? Uh, I'm a fun guy. Uh, Obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um... I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. (laughs) I don't even know where you're sitting at. (laughs) (laughs) How about that for a laugh? Wow, that is the laugh that is making the rounds. And I'm not trying to laugh at Kawhi Leonard, although I am laughing at his laugh. It's a it's a unique laugh. He's got a very very rich voice. I mean, a very rich, resonant voice, and that laugh. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Full spill. 
<laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> He's right there. Yeah, the glasses. There you go. Uh, and he wonders why he does not have his own shoe deal. He wonders why he is not a highly marketed star. Kawhi Leonard is basically a basketball dunking Brooks Kepka. Absolute phenom talent and dull as the day is long. Imagine Kawhi Leonard in speed dating. Assuming people didn't know he, you know, obviously has several hundred million dollars in the bank. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Cal uh, Hai. And what would you like people to know about you? Uh, I'm a fun guy. Uh, I love how he did a pause for a couple seconds before he got to I'm a fun guy. He was, like, he, he was like, wait a minute, is this a trick question? What do you mean, what do you want us to know about you? Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Okay, I got it. You like basketball. You're tall. You know, since we're doing this speed dating, what 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 else about you, Kawhi? Um, I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, God bless you, Kawhi. Just do that basketball thing, as they say in basketball. Let's do that basketball. You play your ass off for Toronto, see how far you get this year, and then you can do, go wherever you want, do whatever you want this coming summer. But still, great smile, too. I sure is a nice kid. Bit of an enigma, though. Did not talk at all. And obviously did not want to play with whatever injury he had last year, and that caused the Raptors to well, lose their mind and then want to trade his ass because they had, frankly, grown tired of him. So we talked yesterday, at least Andy and I talked about mascots. Uh, I think we talked yesterday. Did we talk yesterday on the podcast about that? Maybe not, actually. I did talk on Bob and Brian about this new Flyers mascot. Gritty is his name. And it is a giant Muppet, a seven-foot Muppet, along the lines of the Philly Fanatic. And it's got sort of like uh, the drummer from the Muppets. His hair, it's orange, it got the googly eyes, no nose, and his name is Gritty, because, you know, Philadelphia, gritty, gritty and gutty. I think people were saying, well, you know, what, what mascot should they have? It is a hockey team, and the name is Flyers, so there's not, it's not a lion or a tiger or something. The Capitals, you know, what are you going to have for a mascot for the Capitals? We have a hawk named Screech, and so he is a... You know, part of the fan experience. These teams need to have a mascot. They don't need to, but they want to have a mascot that can give the team a presence at events. Events where they don't want to try to spend $1,000 to send a player or a coach for an appearance fee. Uh, send the mascot. Birthday parties, ribbon cuttings, park openings, mall openings, corporate events. You're like, hey, there's that sports team's mascot guy. So now the Flyers have Gritty. I said in passing, I think to Bob or Brian, I was like, well, the Yankees never had a mascot. Well, color me wrong on that one. Thank you to whoever emailed me this link. I've lost whoever sent it to me. But this is from the website Fansided, Mike Calandrillo. He writes, that time the Yankees had a mascot and, had, and some replacement ideas. We take you to 
1979, and the Yanks debuted a giant pinstripe-wearing Muppet. His name was Dandy, as in Yankee Doodle Dandy. Get it? Bonnie Erickson and Wade Harrison of Acme Mascots. I kid you not on that. Acme Mascots. What is this, a Roadrunner cartoon? Had previously created Miss Piggy, Rolf, Statler and Waldorf, and others. It turns out Dandy was also a distant relative of the Philly fanatic, as well as the Montreal Expos uh, mascot called Yuppie. They, too, were all made by Erickson and Harrison. Acme mascots. Though members of the Yankees had approached Acme about the character's inception, everyone involved in the creative process knew that getting Big George Steinbrenner on board would be easier said than done. But they massaged it, and somehow Big Stein managed to sign off on it. They probably slipped it in there with a bunch of other papers. Yep, 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 okay, shirt, mascot, got it, okay, all right, all right. The name Dandy, of course, chosen by fans as part of an American Express campaign. It was said to be the play on the American folk song, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Who knows if fans were really involved. I've heard of other fan initiatives to name the team, and these are often quite rigged, which it was in the case of the Washington Wizards when they changed their name from the Washington Bullets. Supposedly, there was a fan vote. I don't believe it. Nobody else in this town believes it. So Dandy was introduced to add a certain level of enjoyment to children and families during games, even though his jovial spirit was confined to the upper decks of old Yankee Stadium. He never touched the actual playing field. Following Thurman Munson's untimely death, however, in August of 79, Dandy was shelved for the rest of the season. Because, you know, when your star catcher kills himself in a plane crash or gets killed in a plane crash, eh, a big stupid mascot. Everybody give it up for Dandy. No, I'm kind of pissed. Thurman Munson died. After two more years of less than a cordial relationship, The mascot's creators, Erickson and Harrison, refused to lease the Yankees the rights to Dandy because the pair felt that their creation was never really appreciated nor accepted. So yeah, once upon a time, (laughs) there was a Yankee mascot uh, in which he was roaming the upper deck. Dandy was his name. Big mustache, big seven-foot deal. So yeah. And Thurman Munson died uh, at the 10... He was hitting 292, 32 years old. He was practicing landing his Cessna Citation at the Akron-Canton Airport. Suffered a broken neck, result of the crash. Cause of death was asphyxiation. Hell of a player, hell of a catcher. Hit 292. Big old handlebar mustache, which was the style at the time. Seven-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. And just one of many Yankees to have more, like two or three different Yankees, I believe, that had run-ins with airplanes. Corey Lytle is another one, former Yankee, died in a plane crash. So, yeah, there you go. All right, I think it's Drew Olson time, kids. What do you think? Let's go to the great white north and talk to our buddy, Drew. DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Oh, beauty, go. Okay. Good 
All right, so I think we should begin with the fact that you owe me $1,000 since my Redskins beat the Packers, so why don't you pay up? Knock, knock, Drew. Where's my money? (laughs) Where's my money? You know, we had no bet. We had no bet on this game, which I'm disappointed about. Yeah, because you didn't have the stones. You didn't think your team had a chance in hell, and nobody else did either. Wait a minute. Right. I don't recall Packers, it that way. It was Packers re- minus three, but man, I, didn't I don't think recall it, it that way. I don't recall us ever talking about any wager at all. Even no. a fun wager, like dress up like something stupid. Get a get a hot dog suit and go stand on the corner for an hour and let people honk at you kind of bet. Yeah, And we, it's too bad because we, we won't play each other, barring the playoffs, for another four years. This Unless we get matched up in terms of the uh, so-called weighted conference opponents. That could happen, but uh, yeah, that was not the Packers' best day by any stretch. But it wasn't as big a debacle as Minnesota losing to Buffalo, which it, it the existential question in the NFL, Zabe, is not what's a quarterback hit, what's legal. It's it's not any of that. It's does everybody suck? Well, that's the thing. Why why is there such variability in performance from one week to the next in the NFL? Why is it the most indecipherable league on the planet? That's what I'm trying to get at. I think it's that what the, there aren't the gap is closed and coaches are better slash the same all over. But you would think that Minnesota might lose to Buffalo. You don't think that Not they get would get their crushed. asses handed to them in a Chinese takeout box. Yeah, Everson Griffin wasn't there. He's a pretty good player. By the way, what's going on with that? I read stories that he is apparently being treated for a mental health issue. Yeah, um, not sure that's... exactly what, but that's pretty. Concerning, Concerning, to say the least. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, everybody wishes him well, so, and they try to want to respect his privacy. Mental health is is a big thing. We're much more sensitive to it in sports than we once used to be. But I remember the days in which, I mean, there's been plenty of NFL players who have gone off the reservation mentally and just lost it. Oh, um, for sure. Remember Alonzo Spellman for the Bears? Yes. Who ended up wandering in a hospital gown down the highway in Detroit one year? Yeah, the... The Packers and their Super Bowl team with Favre and those guys, uh, you ask guys, who is the craziest guy? Wayne Simmons. Like, And they right. say crazy, and they meant, like, you know, not just. <laughs> uh, Barrett Robbins yeah. is oh, another one yeah. from, you know, the Super Bowl when he went missing in you know, bipolar disorder. I mean, you're talking about, first of all, the NFL population is not any different than the general population at large. I mean, Thank it might you. be different in some ways, yeah. but you're, you're going to have, uh, you know, M&Ms of all flavors. That mirror yes. society in a subset, which is the NFL, which is how many players in the NFL? 50 per team, 32, 1,800 players? 1,800, like roughly, yeah. Yeah, so that's a pretty enough, large enough sample size. You're going to get guys in there that have some issues. And then you work in fame, money, pressure, possibly steroids, mm. painkillers, everything else. It's easy for a guy to possibly get... Get upside down mentally. No question. No question. So, well, and that's the thing is, I guess everybody's so equal that, and it's been this way for a long time, that three to four playmakers on a team make the difference between, as we saw with the Packers last year, between, you know, 13 and three and six and 10. Right. So, you know, if the Packers had some injuries on the offensive line on Sunday and that made it very hard for them to do anything and come back. But I think everything else, the coaching is the gap has just closed and uh, film and analytics and just everything, everybody's doing kind of the same stuff. It's the homogenization. So the talent is, I think, closer. And then it's all through football, though. How does Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech? On what planet is that possible? On what planet does Army take Oklahoma to overtime at Oklahoma? Right. 
I mean, come on. And by the way, how great was it the way Army left the locker room oh, yeah. on their way out of town? Did you see the Twitter yeah, photos? No of this? tape on the floor or anything like that. Nothing. Absolutely immaculate. And their and Army's, I guess, equipment staff, which has um, a Twitter account, said thanks for the hospitality, Oklahoma, just as we found it. Yeah, I'm wondering how many other programs do that though, because uh, managers in uh, D1 sports are uh, overlooked and they work their asses off and there's probably a, a lot good, of teams that do that that is a good question and maybe other programs are like hey way to go we Army. have to do we've that been, we've been doing that now for years yeah. for some programs i'm sure leave it a god-awful mess i'm Towels, sure tape uh blood transfusion bags dead yes. hookers um, pizza money, boxes condoms pizza boxes condoms, cigars, money. spliffs <laughs> yeah all no kinds doubt. of shit lying around like uh, yeah you clean it up five-hour energy bottles looks sort of like the bottom of your car <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind i hate to say that but kind of are you a tidy up guy kind of. whether if you're at a restaurant at a fast food restaurant and there's a table that's messy not maybe not even just yours will you tidy up I, someone else's area if it's intruding on my enjoyment and in, impinging on my space like if it's a four seat those swivel seats and i'm at a four top and there's junk i'll move it I'll, I'll take care of it. I, I will police my own area right. as well. But if it's across the room, I ain't stopping to pick it up. They pay people to do that. Do you ever feel like you should just sit at a restaurant, sit at a fast food place, lurk, and wait for people to leave their shit behind and then gently intercept them and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then point at their table like, your mother does not work here. Like, why couldn't you go throw that away? I, I wouldn't do that because I don't like it when my wife yells at me for not putting something in the dishwasher. <laughs> And and what something uh, don't you well, put in the dishwasher? At my house, a dish in the sink makes me think. Well, the dishwasher needs unloading. I'm not doing it, so I'll put another dish in the sink, and then that's uh, then we have the eruption. Yeah, personally, if it was up to me, I'd have a house without a dishwasher. You know, there's something to be said for that. I know without a house without a, a, a garbage dishwasher. disposal is a happy place. You don't need those because I talked to plumbers and when when the guys. Came and installed my dishwasher. They're like, don't even use your garbage disposal. People yeah. use it for everything, and it's not a good. But how do you then? How do you then get food out of your uh, just sink uh, with uh, a strainer, and then you gotta a, go dump it out well, of the trash? Well, um, napkins uh, wipe the stuff off before you put it in the. You know. See, there's two things with me. One, I'm not necessarily obsessed with germs, like some people are. So, to me, if I get a plate and I scrub it good enough and wipe it down and put it on the counter to dry. To me, that's good enough. Some yes. people are like, oh, my God, there's all kinds of germs on there. And you know what? They're probably right scientifically. Yeah, that germs a ver- are good. A piping, a piping hot a dishwasher with industrial detergent does a better job of killing germs. I'll grant you that. True. But with I'm with me, you. If, if you're eating a sandwich and it's crumbs, come on. Yeah, but doing the dishes is two things. It's you got to pre-wash them, yeah. and then you got to put them in the dishwasher, then you got to run it, make sure that the soap is in the right place, and yep. the blah, blah blah. And then you got to take it out. Yep. And I, what I hate most about the taking it out, I don't know where the things in our house go. Oh, where does the pizza cosign? Cosign. <laughs> where we does have, the Where does the pizza cutter go? Pampered where chef shit that I don't even know what go? it is. I don't even know what this appliance does. I don't know what it is. Where the fuck does it go? I have no idea. Right. You're next on and, Dishwasher Talk. Yeah, and then, oh, God forbid, put something in the wrong place. and then So then your default is, well, then fuck it. I'm not going to I'm not even, I'm gonna get yelled at either way. I might as well get yelled at w- with the least inconvenience to me. 
oh, which yeah. is leaving it on the counter or just like, I don't know where this goes and I don't want to put it away in the wrong spot. Yeah. Path of least resistance is a, uh, that's a natural human tendency. All right. So how do we get onto this? Let's get back on the road here. Yeah. The sports, sports, sports road. This. Not a sports fan, huh? Oh, no. We're sports oh, fans. Sports we're going to talk some sports here. Sports, well, it was all, it was all fan, about huh? your Redskins and the pack and football and the, the, is it mediocrity? Is it parody? Is it oh, good? Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, we were talking about cleaning up. In cleaning the army. up in the army. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Yep. I, I wonder how many uh, programs do that. I liked how at the at the World Cup this past year, the Japanese fans cleaned up their section before leaving the stadium, and See, people filmed that. Japanese are onto something with minimalism and clean, and you know, just. I love the Japanese. We creep. We ca- I just capture say that we, flat we, out. I yes. love. I love them as a people. I love him as a country. Ever since that unfortunate incident back in the 40s yep. where we had to punch him in the face really hard, they've been really good peeps. And, yeah, the minimalism thing, there's so much to be said for that. Too. Just thinking about all the crap that you have at your house that you don't need. I'm, oh, my God. I want to divest myself of my bobblehead collection soon. Like, Why do I okay. have these freaking things? Okay. Like, I don't uh, display them. I don't. They're, they're in boxes, wanna, and I want to get rid of them. Do you want to give them away right here on the Zabecast? Give away? <laughs> you said divest. Divest. Uh, I, yeah, I would like to sell my bobble. I'd like to, oh, I'd like to get a little something for the effort of having see. curating the collection over the okay, years, which is see. bringing them home from stadiums and putting them on a shelf. This is now where Confucius say, uh, you, are, <laughs> you, you are not achieving the highest of oneness by wanting money. In exchange for them. Yes. A a divestment is just, here, take this. I don't want it. Get it out of my house. You're like, I need some money for this. It may come to that, but if I can make a little scratch, you know, a little something for the effort. Uh, If you would like to, uh, could you, how many pieces is your bobblehead? I have to go, I have to go look at it. I I have so much crap. Hundred thousand. A hundred bobbleheads, probably. Mostly Milwaukee area? Mostly, yeah. Okay. Yep. A lot of a probably of, a Rob Deere, a couple of Pit, a couple of Pittsburghs, and I got some. You know, I, again, I covered the Brewers when they were bad, and everywhere we went, they had to give stuff away to get people to the stadium. Right. So every road game I went, I got a checkbook cover and a, a beach towel and a, a bobblehead <laughs> and a T-shirt, and and I kept all the crap. I brought it home and just threw it, and I have all this crap from years and years ago. All right, so on the Packer front, what was the fallout after the game? Well, up there in your neck everybody's so obsessed with the Clay Matthews hit and that camouflage is like, why the hell were they so bad early? The, Mike Patton's defense, you know, the Vikings did it to them too. Like they, they, they're a second half team, I guess. What the hell is wrong with the game plan in the first half? Like, why can't you? Why did you? Why do you let teams just march down the field against you early? And I know that some I know of it's personnel. Second- I know yeah. the secondary is young, but man, do they not seem to be able to spot the football? No, oh, yeah, there. Kentrell Bryce has issues with that. Now that's something again, uh, coaching and stuff. Is he ever going to get better in that? Is that an innate skill? I was asking Antonio Freeman about this. The show I do with him, the end zone with Antonio Freeman, and he, do they? I mean, can guys learn that skill? Because to me, it seems like you, you talk about this kid that they drafted from Louisville, uh, Jair Alexander. They said, oh, he's got a nose for the ball. Some guys have a nose for the ball. Some guys can't find it. Right, freaking map quest. Right. Some guys can't find the ball if they were Lassie and it was coated in bacon. Exactly. Where's so, the ball? So Where's that's – and that was bad. Devon House got beat on some plays. He probably – it's and it's – Why – Is it uh, Patton's fault and the coach's fault that he's in the league? Like, he probably shouldn't be in the league, but that you have to question. play the roster that you have. Why do your DBs commit such obvious holding? Patterns? Oh, man, three on a series. Well, and that and, speaks and to another the, problem. And on, the, and on the fade pattern to Dachshund, why does your DB decide, I'm just going to jump on his back like a coat 
Yeah, that and was ho- what hope that I mean, Doxon sucks. He might have dropped that pass anyway. Yeah, it might have been out of bounds anyway. Might have not gotten his feet in anyway. Why do you like? Why don't DBs know if I commit PI here that it's an almost automatic touchdown because it's first and goal exactly. at the one? That's the defensive equivalent of calling a timeout in the second half to avoid a delay for five yards. Which your team did, by the way. Exactly, which they've done routinely in the first couple weeks of the season. Take the five yards, you got Aaron Rodgers. How about this for stupid coaching? In the first half last night in the Buccaneers-Steeler game, Buccaneers uh, in the end of the first half are snapping the ball with less than two minutes to go with 15 seconds left on the play clock. Guess who got the ball back and scored with just six seconds left? The Pittsburgh Steelers. So if they had just taken one play down further than 15 seconds, they would have not had those points add up. It's little things that coaches routinely do in this league that infuriate the shit out of us at home. Mike McCarthy's clock management at the end of the first half Sunday. That's another one. In the rain, let's try a 61-yard field goal when we've got a guy who averages two Hail Marys a year. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, right, exactly. That would have been a better play. Yes, the 61-yard field goal in the rain, and then the snap gets botched, and they don't get to try it. But they they also sat on their timeouts before that. When I have Aaron Rodgers, I, you know, and and, and it's inconsistent because in the past he's taken timeouts and been burned by it. All right, a couple things that drive me crazy. Situationally, situational unawareness. So your DB that, you know, basically tackled Doxon in the end zone was situationally unaware because P.I.'s – on relatively short throws, I think you guys were inside the 20 when you started yeah, that play. that was the third P.I. of the drive. P.I.'s inside the end zone are a terrible percentage play because it's first and goal at the one. Yeah, that's a touchdown. P.I.'s in the middle of the field at like the 50, when you are clearly beat, is a high percentage play because you're saying, okay, they'll get the ball here at the 50 because I got beat on a deep ball but they're not going to get a touchdown. Yeah. Situational awareness. Well, the one, one thing PI, about that to one me... One PI is very smart. The other PI is very dumb. The one Go thing ahead. about that to me is that every play, and that's one of the things that's amazing about the athletes in the league that you just forget to marvel about, but every reception basically is inches from the outstretched fingers of the defender. Oh, yeah. And they're so good that way that they're trying to make the play without the PI, and they're so, you know, an eyelash away, and... You know, I don't know if if it's premeditated. I'd agree with you, but I don't know if that's as simple as it sounds. Well, I th- I think it is. Don't commit pi. Don't make. Well, it I'm, I'm saying I'm talking about making the the pi at the midfield and the reception when you're close oh, to I breaking see, oh, up a okay. pass. Yeah, you're, when you're getting right. yeah. Well, you got to be clearly, clearly beat. Yeah, like two steps behind, and the receiver is looking back with his arms out like a basket. Okay, so there 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 was that that frustrated me. Then, you know, your guy not calling timeouts yeah. as the Redskins had the ball was infuriating, and the announcers even mentioned it. But even worse was, okay, you try that field goal from 61 on a wet field. What are all the things that can go wrong? Oh. Block field goal, Everything. return for uh, a touchdown? Ret- just a short field goal return for a touchdown, right? And when the snap is botched, why does your holder not have the situational awareness to just curl up and down it? Why did he get up and decide, I might yeah. throw this ball? Nothing good yeah, that happens was the last on play. that You're play. right. You're right. That's not gonna, you're not going to throw a touchdown pass. It's there, a Garoya premium fumble. Yep. It's an interception. All bad things. He's, he's a rookie. God. You would think that a, a punter would especially know that because they have to be, they watch the game as closely as anybody. 
And you got to go through these things. You got to say, okay, 61 yard field goal. Here's the deal. If the snap's bad, if I bobble the hold, I'm just going to eat it. We're going to go in the locker room. Exactly. Okay, yeah, that, those things right, are bad. Go. And then where's snap the coach telling them that? I know. Where's the coach telling that before it's he goes coach. out there? So you guys, you guys don't have a bye week. We do. You're going to have to soldier on Ooh. with Rodgers on that knee. Yeah, that early bye foreseeable... though. Yeah, I don't like it guys. either. That's bad. Well, we didn't pick it. No, that's true. Um, yeah, so they have to soldier on, and here's the now they get Buffalo, which is you know the hangover <laughs> from that victory over the Vikings. And this is such a week to week league that you Kansas catch, City you catch can't Buffalo lose. in a great spot. Yeah, Kansas City way. can't lose right now, but at some point they'll lose two in a row. And people are like, oh, see, oh shit, they suck. Like, it's going to happen. It's this. It's this league. So yeah. you can almost set your watch by it. All right. So overall, uh, the bullishness on the Packers season is at what level? Well, here's the thing. They've disappointed so far. 1-1-1. One, one, one. They're closer to 0-3 than they are 3-0. and Correct. But they're also, you know, look where the Vikings are. Look at everybody else. The Bears are fallible. They got the surge from Khalil Mack, and they look good now, and they're in first place now. But it's such a temporary week-to-week league that yeah. I don't think everything that we've known about New England and Green Bay and good teams that we just throw out because of the, the first three weeks, we just we forget this every year. Okay. It's week-to-week. And if you keep Aaron Rodgers upright, and you're going to be in most games and have, you know, an in-the-playoff push. And then it's just all about who's hot and healthy at the end of the season. So the rest of this is just... I don't know. It's just folly trying to predict what's going to happen. But do you really, like, do, who knows what the state of Rodgers' knee really is? Only the team doctors, right? And Rodgers yeah, himself, he, right? Yeah, Rodgers. Well, and there's no doubt they've obviously changed things up, and the Redskins and everybody else in the world has film of him and what they're trying to do now. So now what do the Packers do to counterbalance that? Because they've turned him into Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, a little bit more stationary than he usually would be. Oh, there is tons of plays where he would have escaped – Win healthy. Oh yeah, we, we would have been in big fucking no trouble. doubt. Yeah, but Kerrigan had some good pressures and stuff, but like he, uh, he, he. Not well, only would he see, sniff that out and see it coming, he would have dashed and twinkle toed around it. Yeah, on one play, Ionitis dessert carded. Uh, I believe it was Bakhtiari right into Rogers, yeah. and Rogers just fell down. Yep. Yep. Like, that would have never happened no. if Rodgers was healthy. No, never. and then when Bulaga went down with, with the back and they brought in this kid, Jason Spriggs, who's a, a turnstile, he got <laughs> abused. I know. He got abused. But you were still in that game until Cobb fumbled late. That's true. And then I was. Uh, what, what was the most damaging play to the Packers? Was it that fumble or the drop by Kendricks? Because both of those plays, I felt like they had a little mojo going, and it was like, ooh, Rodgers is going to do this to the Redskins just like he did to the Bears earlier, you know? I've already said both on Bob and Brian and on my show locally, and on the Zabe cast yesterday, I would have cut Lance Kendricks. Oh, for, I totally for one, agree. One reason totally. to to send the message to the locker room, we are not fucking around. Because he's been dropping passes since going back to last year. And has he camp, really? He was dropping passes in camp. He, yeah. If he doesn't catch that ball, he has no function on the team. Because he doesn't block, he doesn't do anything else. Get him the fuck out of there. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and And it has such a beneficial effect from a sobering standpoint wake everybody up it's throwing the bats wake in the shower em. it's firing yes. a coach you know it's yes, it's, yes absolutely or uh, we have three tight ends in here uh, working out today and have them walk by his locker you know <laughs> on the way to go get their equipment for the workout because you have to yeah. i agree send that message i cut him yeah yeah in fact i saw a tweet this morning about how certain moves like you know the, the browns win after they trade josh gordon 
is that coincidence or is that or is that yeah well now here's the flip side of that um the vikings cut their rookie kicker when he missed kicks against the packers right that that they drafted that they you know unbelievably that they they got their asses handed to them in part because i think that was a scapegoat like we would have won the game except for our yeah that was so they lost focus on deeper issues we have a pro team coming in that could kick our ass but Okay, so the flip side, and the Packers have the long view, which is why they won't cut Lance Kendricks, but they they had trouble with Mason Crosby a few years ago. He hit a slump, and when you have a long career like he's having, he hit a slump to the point where we thought he was done, and then it's like, oh, you got to start thinking about looking at other guys, bringing guys into training camp to compete with him, scare him, put the fear of God in him. They stayed with him, and he's still pretty damn good, and been, and it, it turned out to be the right move for them. Yeah. So every situation is different, but Lance Kendricks has dropped enough balls. I've seen him drop enough balls now that – yeah, he ain't, he's not getting it done. Get out. Yeah. All right, real quick, uh, what are we going to do about this rule that continues to plague the NFL? Can anything be done? Will the league back down at all? I think they will. I they honestly do. do. I, okay. I, I really do. And by the way, that was the one thing that the gifs that went around was the Matthews hit was the penalty, and then Rodgers got ragdolled by your – who was your D lineman that threw him Deron down? Deron Payne. Yeah, and uh, no call. Referee said he was screened. Didn't see it right. Was in the right. open field. The guy got ragdolled and <laughs> thrown on his head. But how so, how should Deron Payne tackle Rodgers in that case? Uh, well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, isn't that? <laughs> hey, I, we said this during the preseason, and I said, you know, hey, let's put the quarterbacks in the red shirts so they can't be hit in the preseason and make the preseason somewhat watchable. It's coming to that, and it's coming to that in the regular season, the way they're going. So I think there will be – I saw Mark Maskey's column that they're going to have a competition committee call and that they they're, they're, they don't like the way the, the winds are blowing on this because it's they're getting ripped from former player. Everybody's ripping them. It's a horrible fucking application yeah, of, a, of, of a rule that was designed not to make the game a mockery but to protect these guys. And then you see Jimmy Garoppolo get hurt on a scramble out for the season. Right, exactly. It's because, football. Guys right, get hurt. I said Jimmy Garoppolo should not have been out there, and my co-host Scott Lynn said, what are you talking about? It was just a, a scramble. I go, it's dangerous out there. Anytime a quarterback runs out there, he's putting his life in danger. And that's why Josh Allen was so spectacular, hurtling dudes, because he was out there just yeah. doing crazy I, shit. I remember when Rodgers used to do that, too, and then after you've taken about four or five years of hits, you stop doing that. Self-preservation kicks in. Yeah, well, all it takes is one knee to the helmet. Exactly. And then Remember that like, time in Detroit, and he was out like a week. After. Exactly. And so the, they, young quarterbacks have that swashbuckle. They'll, they'll hold the ball for that extra tick, and the, the older guys will get rid of it in, in terms of self-preservation. Well, I, I don't know what the league's going to do. I, don't, I, would I, like I think the they fans. have to back off. I think they will back the, the pressure's been too much. That I think they will back off of, like the Clay Matthews thing won't be a penalty moving forward, but they'll still try to. You know, massage everything Problem else is, they can. There, there's no defining it. That's the thing. So there will still be some calls that are deemed you're too rough on the quarterback. Whereas before, it was a very broad inter. It, so much was left to the referee to say, you know, late hit or unnecessary roughness, and it was in the judgment of the referee as to what was a quote late hit. And it varied, yeah. but it just was. Now they're trying to define it. Doesn't work. I was thinking about fan protests for this, and the only fan protest I thought of that might have. I don't think it'd have any effect, but it would look cool. What if somebody distributed to fans uh, 20,000 yellow penalty flags and they were instructed after the first one of those calls to throw them onto the field? Well, 
I think the laws of physics would hurt your plan because <laughs> you can't throw a penalty flag. If, that if I'm 60 yards deep behind an end zone, I'm not getting a penalty flag on the field. All right. What if you distribute it to people just in the first <laughs> six rows? Well, because first of all, these are things that are easily smuggled into the state. They become like terrible towels. And there, as long as there's no weight on the thing, like just no, no, there would be a weight. There has to, there has to be. Yeah, a weight. but it then, would be it would be a little packet of sand. Then it becomes a projectile, and they're not going to let people. No, but you could get somebody's going to somebody's going to catch one in the eye. Who's going to give those out? Your my radio station, yours, liability. Come on. Well, maybe it would be a great promotion. Didn't we have a player it? almost blinded by a referee's flag? That's what would happen when they have helmets because on? There was, that's because there was BBs in it. Yeah. Well. And you want sand? You're not gonna, sand babies. Yeah, <laughs> the corner. Well, I'm not gonna have shards of glass in it for God's no. sake. I uh, understand the the sentiment, but do protests really work in that form? No, ratings no, are it, up. Come I don't know. I don't want to. I, I don't expect it to work, Drew. I just want to clown the league. Well, anything you can do there is great. That's on well the baseball deserved. front. So you know, we talked about the Brewers being right there uh, in the neck of it, right in the heat of it. Uh, question. This was posed to Joe Madden saying he, he was asked, do the Cubs have a celebration planned tonight if they clinch a playoff spot but not the division? Madden said, I don't know. I'm not part of any planning committee. That's up to Angela, Phyllis, Pam, and Oscar, which is a oh, very yeah, that's a, good a very deft office reference. But how do, you feel about, how do you feel about baseball teams celebrating at every little step along the way? We clinch the well, division, celebrate. We won our first playoff Sources game. close Celebrate. to my situation said the Brewers were thinking about that because there was a chance, I guess, i got to check to see what could happen. If they win the next two against St. Louis, there would be a... They would be guaranteed the wild card, one of the two wild cards, yes, home or away? Yes, okay. and it's trending now. Do you celebrate But they were, they were planning I would that not. because you have, to, you, have to, you have to travel with your own champagne and goggles, right? They were on a, they're on a road trip right now. Right. So the thought was that they would celebrate when they get in and then not celebrate again unless they overtake the Cubs for the division. Like, you'd celebrate the fact that we're in the playoffs, and it would be subdued because you're going for that number one wild card instead yeah. of the number two. But winning the number two, when you've only been to the playoffs four times in your franchise's history, um, damn, you got to celebrate it. Damn. And, and one of those was a strike-shortened half season, by the way. Four 81, 82, times. 08, and 11 wow. in franchise history. So they're going to celebrate it, but then they would not celebrate again unless they were to overtake the Cubs and win the division and get the bye. That was their plan. Although now they're close enough, and you can smell it, that they're probably going to win the number one wild card. Maybe they will not. Maybe they will hold that in abeyance and celebrate what could be at home. Fancy word. Yes, what could be at home because they have two more against the the Cardinals and then three at home against the Tigers to wrap up the season. That traditional interleague rival. Why can't you just say, look... We're going to celebrate on game 162, assuming we're in the playoffs by hook or by crook. Well, fan appreciation night is Saturday at the old ballpark, so celebrate then. But you can plan it because they might have already clinched stuff by then. They well, might just have already, say, they might just know say, where they are. Just say we, w- we will celebrate if we're in the playoffs on game yeah. 162. I, I'm with you. It is silly like to have. At the end of the season. We, it is we're silly ready to have two w- yeah. celebrations and like, but. You know, they, it would I guess be they notable. want it right in the moment. They want to pop yeah. the champagne the very minute they can. But like that's the thing is if okay, hey, we clinched a wild card, but we still want to have home field, so we're not going to go out and get all polluted and hung over because it'll be a very subdued deal. Yeah. 
Hey, I got so. a good soundbite for you before we get to fuck that guy uh, from NBA Media Day. This was Michael Beasley, not a Rhodes Scholar. Bees. He's good. He's good at at putting a basketball into a a ring, and that's wonderful. Everyone in society has their thing that they do. But here was Michael Beasley being asked by Dave McMenamin of ESPN. He was trying to lead him down a cliched path, and I guess Beasley just didn't get the cliche or the answer he was wanting, he wasn't getting. See if you can break down this little exchange for me. With taking a day at a time, where should this Lakers team end up by the end of the year? Exactly where we want to. Which is? Where we want to be. Where do you want to be? Taking it a day at a time. <laughs> Oh, the circle of existentialism. <laughs> it gets better here. I want to re-rack that because oh. it's only it's only beginning. This is 47 seconds. I played you just the first 10 seconds of it. Time, where should this Lakers team end up by the end of the year? He wants a prediction, right? McMenamin, yeah. give me Players a prediction. Can you, can, you beat, can you beat the Warriors is what he wants to hear, right? Exactly where we want to. Which is? Where we want to be. Where do you want to be? Taking it a day at a time. <laughs> but if once you add up all those days, where can you end up? The future. <laughs> oh, that is the best answer ever. When you add them all up, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Uh, the future, obviously. Once you add up all those days, where can you end up? The future. Fair. You're going to move the calendar there. But the future, let's say April through June, April through May. Where should the ceiling be for this group? People say right there, this was the opening to say, like Jordan did at North Carolina, the ceiling is the roof. Yes. Which was one of the great non sequitur lines of all time. Incredible. Like, wait, what? The ce- wait, the ceiling's the roof? What? The ceiling? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's, that's not up for me. I'm not an analysis. I'm not a you know, stat chaser or... Stat chaser. Stat chaser. Stat chaser. What? Um, Like I said, we're here to do one job, which is work, sacrifice, and take it a day at a time. That's three jobs. Work, sacrifice, and take it a day at a time. Drew, you have stuck microphones in professional athletes' faces for your whole adult career. You've seen this. You know this. I maintain that this is one of the reasons why otherwise sane men and women really start to question what they've done with their lives once they have interviews like this. Yes. Where you say to yourself, boy, I was trying to do the best I could to get an answer that was interesting and I could maybe make a story out of, and I couldn't do it. And maybe it's my fault because I'm not asking the good enough questions. Maybe it's this basketball player's fault because he's got an IQ of 45. Or maybe it just is the way the universe is supposed to be. He has no great insights because he's there to dribble and dunk. And I have no ability to extract from him anything brilliant because it's just fucking To lead him into the narrative that I'm trying to... I have a story and I'm trying to get a quote to fit that story where everybody's making predictions. I'm trying to get him to say... Well, because Beasley is weird enough that he might say something really outlandish that you could lead the story with. Maybe he should have just said... Uh, hi, Michael. I need you to say something outrageous. In fact, I've got a list of things right here. So go ahead. Just start with number four there. Yes, that one says, the Warriors ain't shit. We're going to tell them bitches who's the new sheriff. There yeah, you go. That's it right there. Read that Zabe, and we'll I be mean, good. I, I, 
Again, I, I got jaded at an early age in this business, and I'm trying to regain it. I'm trying to re- regain trying my... Trying to get unjaded? Yeah, I'm trying to regain my Billy Mumphrey cockeyed optimism, right? And I can't <laughs> fucking... It's hard, but I learned, like, going to especially NFL locker rooms, nothing good comes out of... Post-game locker rooms is such a circle jerk that it's just not even worth the time. Because I, I live I two hours from Lambeau Field, and it's like... It's not even worth my time to patrol there and get, you know, cliches after games and unless you have rapport which I don't have and get guy can get guys on the side and ask uh, uh, an incisive, you know, and guys know me well enough to trust me to give me an incisive real quote not just sanitized for everybody's consumption. It's just not worth it. The only the only place that I think you're going to get insight is in the off season in a relaxed setting. Over around a golf, over some yeah. beers. Where, where you're visiting an athlete in his home and you're just sort of shooting the shit and you're kind of like getting an insight into how he thinks. Yeah, other than that, it's it's pretty... And you, the, the only way to do that is to have ESPN on your mic flag, basically. Doesn't hurt. It doesn't, doesn't hurt. hurt. But don't, uh, you see that, but that's one of the things. And I'm a baseball guy and you have so much time and access to guys and the small talk builds rapport and that you can get a little bit more, a little bit of a layer. Okay. Before we get to fuck that guy, your thoughts on the Ryder Cup? You are famously not a golfer. No, not a golf. I like fan. the Ryder Cup. I'm, I'm a Christmas anti- and Easter golf fan. Christmas okay. well, and Easter. I like. Welcome it. into the Church of Golf. Exactly. For your, your your biennial visit. Yes. Are you are and you a majors. little bit excited? Are you excited because Tiger Woods is now back, fully back, resurgent as he is and the, resplendent in the, the game. The game of golf? is always stronger when he is good. Much like when the Lakers or the Yankees are good, yeah. the game is stronger. But uh, his history in the Ryder Cup's not great. So even when he was playing well, he... but the Ryder Cup is great because it's totally different than real golf. Where real yes. golf is four boring days, everyone on their own, and just polite like little claps. You know, you can take a double on the first hole, and it's like nobody even notices. No big deal because it's just you're playing for your own money. At the Ryder Cup on the first tee shot, the pressure is there. Like holy fuck, this is match play. We can't go one down on the first hole. I need to hit the fairway. Oh shit, I've got a lot of pressure on me. Crowds are amazing, and for some uh, reason, the European team on paper, like this year, never measures up to the U.S., yet they win. But they win, and they play <laughs> they because gr- they're gritty. Exactly. They're, yeah, and so what I love most about it is watching these, and they are athletes, these golfers, but they're not, because they're not in a team sport, some of the, some of the things, some things don't come naturally to them, and watching golfers who are paired. High five. High five. <laughs> Awkward high and, fiving. And this is where, this is the most sexist thing I'll say on the podcast in the history of the Zabecast. They high five like girls because women, and I'm girls who don't play sports, women who don't play sports who high five in the bar when your team scores something, they do it from the elbow. And a proper high five is like from the shoulder and relaxed. But they kind of do a pat a cake thing from the elbow. And right. that's what the golfers do. And it looks so freaking lame that it cracks me up. You got to high five like you have no regard for your palm or your your other guy's palm, just smack that mofo. Yes, you need to say we're gonna. If and we're it's, gonna do it. We're gonna high five. And it's from the shoulder, not the elbow. It's not the yeah, you know. It's okay. not a pat a cake thing. All right, that brings us to our weekly segment, FTG. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, here we go, Drew. Who is your FTG right. for the week? This was a it's a crowded field. Could be referees. It could be Dean Blandino. 
Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of nominees this week. A lot sure. of nominees, and I'm not even going to look up his freaking name because he's not worth it. But fuck that guy who spit on the pizza at Little Caesars inside Comerica Park. The worst! Because there is a level of trust, and you want to put out of your mind what can happen when you don't see the food that you're going to consume prepared. And it doesn't matter if it's a five-star restaurant or a truck stop Arby's. It doesn't matter because you don't know if that steak that looks so good presentation-wise on the plate, it was just dropped on the floor moments earlier. And you have to put that stuff out of your mind and suspend all thought of what could have happened in order to enjoy uh, the sustenance provided by eating out. So fuck that guy for making me think of stuff that happens like this. I said he should get a year in jail under a ordinance that basically it's called a uh, disregard for others. Wanton disregard for innocent other people. A year? Would you like a year in jail um, for that guy? Too harsh. Well, okay. A Six year, months. A year in jail is too expensive, but uh, let's make his life miserable and let's make him... Uh, Ooh, know, how about this? Clean we toilets in, in the... No, no, you know. no, no. We spit on his food. For a year. Every No, every day. Every day for a month. <laughs> oh, man. And make him consume it? Yeah. Well, that. he he doesn't have to, but he'd be in jail for a month, and every meal he's served in jail has spit on it. Yeah. Where the, where the guard spits on it, and so he can either starve or he can eat spit food for a month. That's justice right there. There you go. Someone call that cruel and unusual, which I guess our Constitution prohibits, but in my country, I'd Save love for that to be the, Exactly. <laughs> All right, my FTG this week goes to one Chris Baker, former defensive tackle of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and after that, or before that, the Washington Redskins. He was cut by Cincinnati this summer. He's currently on the street looking for a job. And after the Redskins beat the Packers, he tweeted a picture of himself in burgundy and gold from two years ago with the line, I want that old thang back. I miss you, DC. Hashtag swaggy time. Hashtag HTTR. Uh, no, no. You, we let you walk because your work habits were suspect and everyone knew it. We let you walk because you were going to get overpaid by somebody else and you did. Tampa let you walk because you were a bad guy that didn't give a shit when the team was losing. Now you're trying to lobby your way back via Twitter? When we've got a great defensive line with young studs like Deron Payne and John Allen. Oh, no. Swaggy. Big swaggy. Swaggy time. Chris Baker. Fuck that guy. You're not coming back. Thanks for the scouting tip, Zabe. The Packers, uh, they lost Mo Wilkerson for the year to an ankle injury at FedEx might, Field, so they, they might, might, might have to call Swaggy. <laughs> I know. All right. For more, Drew Olson, listen to him on the Big 920. And yes. on the iHeartRadio app. And follow him on Twitter at Drew Olson MKE. All right, buddy. We'll see you next week. You bet, man. Let's end with this today. Millennials ruin everything. Am I right? They get blamed for a lot. But in one case, millennials may be saving a pretty important institution. According to a new study, millennials are actually causing the U.S. divorce rate to plummet. New data shows that younger couples are approaching relationships very differently from baby boomers who married young, got divorced, remarried, and sometimes went through that two more times or more. Generation X and especially millennials are being pickier about whom they marry, tying the knot at older ages when education, careers, and finances are already on track. The result is the U.S. divorce rate dropped 18% from 2008 
to 2016. This according to analysis by the University of Maryland's Philip Cohen in their sociology department. Demographers already knew the divorce rate was falling. The question, though, was why and what current trends mean for the marital prospects of today's newlyweds. Young people get the credit for fewer divorces because boomers have continued to divorce at unusually high rates all the way into their 60s and 70s. From 1990 to 2015, according to Bowling Green's National Center for Family and Marriage Research, the divorce rate doubled for people 55 to 64 and even tripled for Americans 65 plus. Cohen's results suggest that this trend called gray divorce may have leveled out in the past decade, decade, but that boomers are still divorcing at much higher rates than previous generations did at similar ages. I have two theories on this. One is that technology and the internet and matching matching services, match.com and you know, what is the uh not DNA and me match.com uh eHarmony uh, Tinder even, not just a hookup thing. I know uh, a friend of a friend uh, who met his now girlfriend on Tinder. He's a divorcee, and they're, they are like chalk and cheese, peas in a pod, probably will get married themselves. So I think technology is at least helping out so that you know one Star Trek nerd can s- select from a host of other Star Trek nerds without having to go to a convention of Star Trek nerds, and then wander the aisles in hope of, well, i got to find somebody today, somebody to be my soulmate. And similar interests. I think that's helped, number one. And number two, I think there's probably more realistic expectations of marriage with the younger generation today. And maybe seeing their parents or their parents' parents go through so many divorces, they're like, hey, fuck that. I'm going to make sure if I tie the knot, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to wait. I'm going to really find somebody that I know I'm compatible with, and I'm going to go into it with my eyes wide open and my expectations down here, a lot lower. I'm going to realize that it's not going to be all fun, giggles, and, and, and joy every single day. But I may be wrong about that. Who knows? That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends. Get your podcasts wherever you get them. Premium Zabe can be had at zabe.com slash premium. Monster Week three, week 4 of fantasy uh, Football 5-Way Friday coming up. It's only $4.99 a month. I know you got that in your pocket. Help support myself in this podcast. And in the meantime, get out of here. Do something productive. Log off the internet, for God's sakes. Pet a dog. Take a walk. Do some recreation. Talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a while and basically live life. And we will see you next time. Hello, this is Discover. And we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter. And you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat.
Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. Dot com.